0: Fresh perspectives on global events.
2: Tune in for a balanced view
1: of the other side of the news.
0: And welcome. Welcome. My name is Timothy Saunders. I'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 78th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from southwest Turkey. As the sun rises here, whichever time zone you are currently experiencing, hopefully you are relaxing into this show and are eager to hear some fascinating insights regarding this latest topic. I'll soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse near the Golden Gate and Annette Driscoll. has recently returned from a road trip through Death Valley, will join us shortly. This show is entitled Cop Out 26. As weak-minded puppet leaders make their way around the world to visit exciting venues, such as the Vatican and Glasgow, in the hope to perpetuate the illusion of saving humanity, they are greeted with very mixed reactions we discover the Vatican does not appear to have a quick turnaround dry cleaning service and without invisible ski poles, it is easy for some jet lag delegates to fall asleep during speeches. I was also surprised to hear Brandon was part of this jet-set entourage, long way from home. Far away from these distractions, tensions are running higher than ever this week, not just in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, which seemed to be among the hottest COVID crucibles initially selected by the minority. While the man apparently commanding the big seat in DC has just announced that children upwards of five years of age may now be jabbed, and the mandate madness is on the rise, sticking dangerous untested DNA altering experimental cocktails in the innocent arms of America's next generation is surely pushing everyone to the limits. Or you would think so. Keith, please roll sound excerpt A.
2: Getting ready to fight COVID.
3: All of us want to be
4: superheroes.
3: And the most important heroes are those that help others kids like us around the world during the COVID-19 vaccine trial. Kid power. And when they did, they became all superheroes. Wah! To all the kids who volunteered, we'd like to say Thank you!
4: Thank you.
3: Thank you for sharing your superpowers of courage, trying new things. The ability to save people. power to help people. Helping not just um, yourself, but many other kids. Do not be scared. be dying Super brave. Hey. Bravery and courage. A superhero shot. Helping Thank everybody. Fight
2: coronavirus and help others.
3: You're helping the whole entire world. Well. Thank you. You are all superheroes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, superheroes.
0: Thank you. You're awesome. This excerpt is from Pfizer's latest marketing campaign. Are you buying into this? Or do you perhaps share my view? This is an unacceptable and totally abhorrent abuse of the trust children expect and deserve from their parents and guardians. Pfizer is trying to brainwash the sleeping public to be grateful to their youngest and most vulnerable generation for being used as lab rats in this batshit crazy global experiment. The chance of children being adversely affected by COVID is negligible, while the vax is causing more damage and deaths than all other vaccines combined in history. And this is using official figures. And all for what? The majority of COVID cases now with vax people. And this is ironic, He named Breakthrough. The vax does not prevent symptoms, does not prevent transmission, and coincidentally, new variants seem to have appeared only since the jabbing season began. What a great success this vax has turned out to be. On the other side of the globe, here are some enlightening words from a passionate nurse who, along with some 3,000 of their health workers, refuses to be jabbed and as a result is taking part in a mass demonstration as they currently stand to lose their jobs unless they submit to the experimental jab. You would think nurses should know better, right? Keith, please roll sound excerpt B. control.
4: <laughs> In America, under Dr. Fauci,
3: I don't know what will wake people up. You still get COVID. You still transmit COVID. You are still at risk of dying. You are very much at risk of dying. There are massive adverse of You have not got, what, 500 healthcare workers in South Australia here protesting silently, respectfully, outside Channel 9 because they've got nothing better to do, okay? We're on the verge of losing our jobs. So we are too young to retire. So as a registered nurse, we're yes. facing losing your jobs? Absolutely. We don't even know where we stand. Apparently, from ABC News last night, 100 South Australian healthcare workers were being put down. I don't think so. Try 3,000, okay? That's just in Adelaide alone. This is not okay. Because we want to do what we love doing and that is caring for the South Australian community. We are it, and we would not be here if we were If we didn't care, we wouldn't be here, okay? It's time that you're all being asked to respectfully take leave at the moment.
4: We have been given so many different
3: stories from Starling, and Null, and we don't know what's going on. We hope that our entitlements get approved up until the borders of November. The next power of emergency gets turned over. Probably for another two to four weeks, because we know this is ongoing. We know this is planned. We're not stupid. The hospitals are not full of COVID patients. The hospitals are full of vaccinated patients, okay? I've got friends work in ICU at work and I see you at this. 30 out of 38 patients currently are vaccinated. That is a fact. Okay, the media is, I'm sorry, I respect the legion of the media. Please start telling the truth and please help us help you because you are all targeted. Every single person is targeted. So as a registered nurse, are you seeing people in hospital, people in yeah. hospital? Yes, Absolutely. serious adverse effects, serious. And we're talking 20-year-olds. We are talking 20-year-olds that have dropped dead. Nothing is getting on the media. Myocarditis is a rare, yeah. let me tell you, a rare cardiac condition all of a sudden every third 20 year old's got myocarditis do you know what that leads to cardiac transplant where do we get hearts from in australia with the lowest urban donor rates in the world
4: what your role is in the healthcare system at the moment at the moment okay i've had
3: many roles i've been i actually trained as a role i've been a one. i've been a nurse for 32 years i started off as an en I went in to do my Bachelor of Nursing. I was a single parent for 18 years. and a very strong person, as you can see. And then I went on to do my postgraduate in mental health nursing four years ago. I've got two degrees. I'm not an idiot. I'm not standing here because I'm an idiot. It's because we care about the South Australian community. Currently, I'm a registered mental health nurse at this I'm passionate about what I do. I look after the most vulnerable people in society. And they are even pushing this onto them. Okay? They are expecting us to push this onto them as mental health nurses. I don't think so. We're on leave. Um, I've asked to leave without pay. We don't know what's happening. I don't even know if I can get income protection. I'm lucky I've got a husband. A lot of my friends haven't. Okay, they're on the verge of getting kicked out of their houses. How many? How many people do you think? How many nurses will the system lose because of the the mandatory vaccination? Nurses alone? I'd say at least two and a half thousand in South Australia alone. Okay, this is a small portion. Um, A hundred? I don't think so. It's a lot more. I mean, we're looking at, we were looking at ranting pre-COVID. The system is not breaking. The system is broken. It is finished. Are you hearing ambulances all the time, sirens? That's the vaccine injury. I said, we're in Adelaide. We're a small city. We don't get ambulances every hour. What's going on? People need to start asking questions. This is nothing against SA Health, all right? They, it's bigger than
5: so just to clarify, so what then? What is the what's the answer? What? How do you think the government should be
3: treating? I think there should be freedom of choice. I mean, some of us have underlying comorbidities, and we know we know this is not a safe vaccine. I'm sorry, but it t- usually takes 20 years to produce a safe vaccine, and that's if it's safe. The quickest before this was seven years, and even that's too far. You cannot you cannot produce a safe vaccine in four to six months, I'm sorry. And they are taking people for granted. And to go for our children in Australia with Moderna, five to 12 year olds, when they're not allowed to do that in America, absolutely abhorrent, okay? All of you have got children, or if you haven't, you've got nieces and nephews. They're after our kids. Not in America, Moderna is canceled in America. Why Australian children?
4: Why? Scandinavia?
3: Scandinavia, why? Why Australia? Why New Zealand? Are we the testing ground? What's going on? I think we need to ask questions here, okay? We are the voice for our children. We are the voice for our people in South Australia. We are voice for patients. What about the people with cancer? What about the people with cardiac illness? What about the kids with leukemia? No one cares anymore. No one cares about anything but COVID. You mentioned um, the
4: it broken.
3: What do is you this? Is this going to decimate it now? Oh. Beyond decimation, like put it this way. I hear that uh, AMBOs are saying 90 minutes for a person with chest pain at home. 1.5 hours to get the help you need. Okay, people are dying in their homes and not getting the assistance they need. And then there's the issue of, oh, they died of COVID. Did they? Did they die of COVID or did they die with COVID? There's the difference. Of or with? Yes and to lock people out who are not vaccinated excuse me i pay a medicare levy i pay private health insurance what right does any private hospital in this city have to lock me out or have an operation when i pay private health insurance we just stop paying taxes is that what they want any
4: other treatments apart
3: from vaccines uh, absolutely there's other treatments there's ivermectin there's hydroxychloroquine three months after this pandemic started pharmacies were not allowed to distribute ivermectin GPs were put on warning from after the AMA. You will not be prescribing ivermectin. India has no COVID. Why? Because of ivermectin. It is safe. It has won the Nobel Prize in 2015. It's been around for what, 42 years now. The most safe medication ever produced in history. We have no access to it. People are buying horseworm on eBay. It's a It's, a it's an anti It's a very, very simple, safe, effective, cheap drug. That doesn't hurt Pfizer, does it? For this shit money
4: certainly
3: hope so. absolutely i mean just give us back our jobs let us do what we love doing please we are passionate we're not going to cause any trouble we're here because we care about the south australian community we are proud passionate south Australians. we're sick of hearing about melbourne we're sick of hearing about sydney let's focus on our own city now, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. on south australia adelaide okay the third most livable city in the world.
0: We want to keep that reputation. Well, there's not much to add there, is there? Straight from the horse's mouth. Interestingly, in the UK, the weak-minded public government has just decided not to mandate the vaccine to health workers. And until next spring, the date is yet to be confirmed. I guess the NHS and private sector finally realized they're fighting a losing battle and could not afford to miss this huge number of UK health workers who refused to be jabbed. My attention was recently drawn by first-hand sightings and several news articles about two large mega yachts cruising around the turquoise bays where I live. Apparently, Bill Gates was celebrating his 66th birthday with, guess who, Jeff Bezos at an exclusive Turkish resort. These huge yachts are equipped with powerful engines, generators, and helicopters were seen buzzing around non-stop ferrying guests from one pad to another. I wonder what they talked about. Perhaps the shape of the Earth, how thin and delicate the Earth's atmosphere is, or maybe they reflected on how shocked William Shatner was to boldly go where no man has gone before. Or perhaps they talked shop how many fingers Bill has in how many vaccine pies, or perhaps Jeff will soon use Amazon to ship the vax boosters. Watch this space. This could mark the next step in a very beautiful bromance. While some 6,000 delegates were busy assembling in Glasgow to attend the COP26, Jeff recently topped up with a kiss of Turkish sun and the latest info on Bill's vax empire and sun-blocking technology made his way to center stage. The hell was he doing there? Anyway, many other figureheads and VIPs were also present. However, a few, such as Presidents Putin and Xi, were absent. But Al Gore was there. He saved the day with his uncomfortable ego and his unscientific grasp. But poor Greta, on the other hand, who had turned up, was not permitted inside. Let's remind ourselves of what she had to say in 2019. Please roll Sandex at sea.
3: I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Yet
0: We've all had fun with this speech. While she was clearly used by the minority to mobilize and then scare the younger generation, she has now clearly been spat out of the system. Keith, please roll stand excerpt D.
3: You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. You can shove your climate crisis up your
4: you arse. You can shove your climate crisis. You can shove your climate
3: crisis. You can shove your climate crisis up your arse. Inside COP, they are just politicians and people in power pretending to take our future seriously, to, pretending to take the present seriously of the people who are being affected already today by the climate crisis. Change is not going to come from inside there, that is not leadership, this is leadership. leadership We say no more blah blah blah, no more exploitation of people and nature and the planet, no more exploitation, no more blah blah blah, no more whatever the fuck they're doing inside there. This thing keep on going for too long. We're right. <laughs> not going to let them get away anymore. Yeah. We are not.
0: That was Greta speaking a few days ago outside the COP26 convention. Either she doesn't have a scriptwriter or perhaps she's borrowing uh, Sleepy Joe Biden's uh, teleprompter. Anyway, she does not appear to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. Either that or she's changed sides. As the song she was singing does not in any way support the aims of the COP26. In fact, the people seeing this are most likely more aligned with those who believe the climate crisis is yet just another hoax. Does anyone else notice a correlation between the climate hoax and the pandemic hoax? Well, I'd not blame you if you're only just waking up to this. After all, most of us have only recently woke up to COVID during the last two years to flatten the curve for two weeks. Just take a minute. Could the minority be using the same mass formation hypnotism techniques to tell the same lies through the same mainstream media with the same figureheads to realize the same agenda? Hmm. Did you see the recent dinosaur videos speaking about mass extinction at the UN? Nice animation, by the way. According to the latest science though, the dinosaurs died out around 300,000 years before this asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula 65 million years ago. That places a rather large spanner in the conventional theory. While you may be programmed to believe the likes of this, listen carefully and compare this excerpt with the following one. Keith, please roll sound excerpt E.
5: As you spend the next two weeks Debating, negotiating, persuading, and compromising, as you surely must. It's easy to forget that ultimately the emergency climate comes down to a single number. The concentration of carbon in our atmosphere. The measure that greatly determines global temperature. And the changes in that one number... Is the clearest way to chart our own story for it defines our relationship with our world for much of humanity's ancient history that number bounced wildly between 180 and 300 and so too did global temperatures it was a brutal and unpredictable world at times Our ancestors existed only in tiny numbers. But just over 10,000 years ago that number suddenly stabilised. And with it, Earth's climate. We found ourselves in an unusually benign period with predictable seasons and reliable weather. For the first time, civilization was possible and we wasted no time in taking advantage of that everything we've achieved in the last ten thousand years was enabled by the stability during this time the global temperature has not wavered over this period by more than plus or minus one degree celsius until now one burning of fossil, our burning of fossil fuels, our destruction of nature, our approach to industry, construction, and learning, our releasing carbon into the atmosphere at an unprecedented pace and scale—we are already in trouble. The stability we all depend on is breaking. This story it's one of inequality as well as instability today those who've done the least to cause this problem are being the hardest hit ultimately all of us will feel the impact some of which are now unavoidable is this how our story is due to end a tale of the smartest species doomed by that all-too-human characteristic of failing to see the bigger picture in pursuit of short-term goals. Perhaps the fact that the people most affected by climate change are no longer some imagined future generation, but young people alive today, perhaps that will give us the impetus we need to rewrite our story, to turn this tragedy into a triumph we are, after all, the greatest problem solvers to have ever existed on Earth. We now understand this problem. We know how to stop the number rising and put it in reverse. We must have carbon emissions, halt them this decade. We must recapture billions of tons of carbon from the air. We must fix our sights on keeping one and a half degrees within reach a new industrial revolution powered by millions of sustainable innovations is essential and is indeed already beginning we will all share in the benefits affordable clean energy healthy air and enough food to sustain us all nature is a key ally wherever we restore the wild it will recapture carbon and help us bring back balance to our planet and as we work to build a better world we must acknowledge no nation has completed its development because no advanced nation is yet sustainable all have a journey still to compete so that all nations have a good standard of living, and a modest footprint. We're going to have to learn together how to achieve this, ensuring none are left behind. We must use this opportunity to create a more equal world, and our motivation should not be fear, but hope. It comes down to this. The people alive now are the generation to come, will look at this conference and consider one thing. Did that number stop rising and start to drop as a result of commitments made here? There's every reason to believe that the answer can be yes. If, working apart, we are force powerful enough to destabilize our planet, surely, working together, we are powerful enough to save it. In my lifetime, I've witnessed a terrible decline. In yours, you could and should witness a wonderful recovery. That desperate hope, ladies and gentlemen, delicates, excellency, is why the world is looking to you and why you are here. Thank you.
0: These are the words of Sir David Attenborough, speaking at COP26, an internationally renowned TV broadcaster and natural historian, who is traditionally trusted by many. However, I can no longer listen to any more of this, well, disproportionate and unscientific propaganda. This is utter rubbish. It seems that David has totally sold out and bought into the minority's mainstream narrative. He is no longer able to see the bigger picture. Let's change channel and listen to this rather refreshing voice. And he doesn't need any dramatic music. Keith, please roll sound excerpt F.
6: I'm a geologist. And the one thing that we miss out on in looking at climate change is the past. Climates have always changed. Climate changes in the past have been greater and faster than anything we experience in our lifetime. And sea levels have always changed. Not by the modest couple of millimetres that people are having connections about, but we've had in the past sea level changes of only 1,500 metres. That's a sea level change. And if we look back in the history of time, the atmosphere once had a very large amount of carbon dioxide in it. It's now got less than 0.04%. Where did that carbon dioxide go to? It went into chalk, limestone, shells and life. And we've been sequestering carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere for only 2,000 to 500 million years. This planet has been degassing carbon dioxide since it first formed on that Thursday, 4,567 million years ago. Carbon dioxide is a natural gas. It has dominated the atmosphere for an extraordinarily long period of time, and we now are at a dangerously low level. If we halved the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, we would have no terrestrial plants carbon dioxide is plant food it is not a pollutant to use words like pollution with carbon dioxide is misleading and deceptive but the past gives us a wonderful story in the past we've had six major ice ages we are currently in an ice age it started 34 million years ago when South America had the good sense to pull away from Antarctica and there was a <laughs> circumpolar current set up which isolated Antarctica and we started to get the Antarctic ice sheet. We've had periods of glaciation and interglacials. We are currently in interglacial. And during that 34 million years, we have refrigerated the Earth. But for less than 20% of time, we have had ice on planet Earth. The rest of the time it's been warmer and wetter and there's been more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And what did life do? It thrived. Six of the six great ice ages were initiated when the carbon dioxide content of the atmosphere was higher than now. In fact, up to a thousand times higher. So we have from the geological evidence absolutely no evidence that carbon dioxide has driven climate. For some odd reason, the major driver of climate is that great fall of heat in the sky, which we call the sun. You heard it here first. It's really quite unusual. And we change our distance from the sun. Every 100,000 years, our orbit changes from elliptical to circular. And we have a cycle of 90,000 years of cold and 10,000 years of warm. We're in one of those warm cycles now. And every 43,000 years, the axis of the Earth changes a little bit. And every 21,000 years, we get a bit of a wobble. Each of those orbital events puts further from the sun. Every now and then, we get bombarded by cosmic rays coming from a supernova eruption somewhere out there. And if the sun's magnetic field cannot drive these away, we start to form low-level clouds. We've got extremely good evidence that this process has been going on for a very long period of time. Every now and then continents start to move. And they move at very rapid rates. They move about this much every year. And at one time a continent can be over a pole, at another time it can be at the equator. Those moving continents change the major heat balance on the Earth. And that's the ocean currents. The oceans carry far more heat than the atmosphere. Every now and then, because of major geological processes, we'll get a great bulge on the ocean floor of new volcanic rock. That changes ocean currents. Every year, we have 10,000 cubic kilometers of seawater that goes through new volcanic rocks in the ocean floor. That exchanges heat. The reaction between seawater and the rocks stops the oceans becoming acid. When we run out of rocks, the oceans will become acid, but don't wait up. It will be a long time. We see 1,500 terrestrial volcanoes on planet Earth. We only measure 20 of them, and very few of those uh, measurements are really accurate, but they tell us that a little bit of carbon dioxide leaks out of those volcanoes. But what we don't hear is that there are at least 3.47 million Volcanoes on the sea floor, which leak out huge amounts of carbon dioxide. We have got pools of liquid carbon dioxide on the sea floor. So, early Earth's carbon dioxide, where did it go? It went into rocks. Where did it come from? It came from rocks. What did it do to the planet? We did not fry and die. We didn't have runaway greenhouse. Well, that's just geology. That's, that's not important. So let's. let's Look at more modern times. In more modern times, we have drill cores that have gone through the ice sheets. Snow, when it falls, captures some air. That air is then trapped in the ice. We can later extract it from drill core and measure the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. And we can see with our cycles of glaciation and interglacials that when we finish an interglacial event, then we release carbon dioxide some 800 million years later. Uh, Sorry, 800 years later. So what's that telling us? It's telling us that temperature is driving carbon dioxide, not that carbon dioxide is driving temperature. Oh, yes, but that's only hundreds of thousands of years ago. Forget that. Well, let's go to more modern times. We've been measuring temperatures accurately since 1850, and the accuracy is plus or minus one degree Celsius for those ancient measurements. We are being told, But this 0.7 degrees Celsius rise is going to to create a disaster. I've only got to move over to here. And I've had a 0.7 degrees Celsius temperature rise. Where do you people go for your summer holidays? You go to a warmer climate. We are creatures from the Rift Valley. We'd (laughs) like warm climates. If someone from Helsinki moves to Singapore, there's an average temperature rise of 22 degrees Celsius. Singaporeans don't drop dead in the streets from the temperature. (laughs) So we are creatures of warm climates. And we've been measuring temperature. And we have seen a slight warming from 1860 to 1890. And then a slight cooling until 1910. Then a warming until 1940. So much so that the Northwest Passage was open. Then a cooling until 1977. And then a warming until the end of the century. And now we're in a period of cooling. So we've had these cycles of warming and cooling. Strange that these cycles are actually related to changes in the heat balance in the oceans. So we have these 60-year cycles over a long warming event. We are in a period of global warming. It has been warming since the the minimum 330 years ago. These were the times when you had the ice fairs on the Thames. These are the times when the Dutch masters painted hoar and in bitterly cold conditions. That was a time when the sun was a bit inactive and we had no sunspot activity. So we're in a long period of warming and one of the questions that I ask in this book is which part of the last 330 years of warming is due to human activity and which part is natural? These are questions that kids should ask their school teachers and they're deliberately unanswerable questions because I am of the view that many children are getting fed environmental propaganda in the schools and are not being given the critical and analytical facilities to be able to
5: dissect that argument.
6: So we're in a period of warming. What's the worry? It's quite normal. And let's just look at history. The one thing that the climate industry, which it is, ignores is history. In Roman times, it was warm. It was considerably warmer than now. And we know that. They kept good records. They grew olives up the Rhine River as far as Bonn. They had wine grapes in Yorkshire. We know from their clothing that it was warm. Possibly they were going to an orgy, but I think it's more likely <laughs> than it was warm. And that warming suddenly stopped in 535 AD. And we entered the Dark And In 535 AD, we had Krakatoa, fill the atmosphere with aerosols. And it wasn't a big volcano. Only 30 cubic kilometers of aerosols go into the atmosphere. We've had bigger ones in Yellowstone. We've had even bigger ones in New Zealand where 10,000 cubic kilometers of aerosols have gone into the atmosphere and we pray for another one because that's the only way we'll ever beat them at grass. That's quite <laughs> them out. <mountain. laughs> we had two volcanoes, one in Rabaul and one in Krakatoa in Indonesia in 535, 536. We went into the dark ages. It was cool. What happened? Crops failed. We starved. We had civil unrest. We had cannibalism. We broke out of that into the medieval warming. First to feel it were the Vikings. The seas became calmer. They could go further fishing. They actually went to Newfoundland, which they called Vinland. In Greenland, grapes and barley were growing. In Greenland, the graves were deep because there was no permafrost. It was a wonderful, benign climate, five degrees warmer than now eric Red was saying come to greenland it's a wonderful climate and it was and then we went through a period of solar inactivity and in 23 years we went from the medieval warming into the little ice age and that little ice age ended 330 years ago so what do you think would happen after a little ice age do you think it would get colder or do you think it would get warmer
5: the only reason
6: that the arguments of science have got any traction in society is that they have been related to the last 30 years or 40 years of temperature measurements. I see with great interest the Met Office is telling us that this is the hottest year on record but Year might be on a different calendar to me, but I don't think this year's finished yet. <laughs> and uh, this time last year, I was in London, as I was the time, before, the year before, and it was miserable. It was cold. it was very cold. So those sort of predictions made just before a big climate conference, one has to be very skeptical of. So in science, skepticism is not a majority word. In science, there is no consensus in science. There are constant battles. A good example. We all knew that we got ulcers from an acid stomach and from stress. So we took pills and rubbed our bellies and and hoped the ulcers would go away until two scientists who were not following the mainstream, who were not following the consensus, were arguing that this was due to a bacterium. And no one listened. Ultimately one of them took the bacterium developed ulcers took the antidote and for that they get a Nobel Prize. You do not get a Nobel Prize for following consensus or saying the science is settled. I believe we've had an enormous corruption of science and the scientific method. I believe that the monies that are floating around for climate research, um, which is a current fad and fashion, are quite perverse. I believe we're putting science backwards and come the next inevitable pandemic, we may not have the weapons to handle it. We might go waving herbs and chanting rather than creating an antidote. So this, for me, this climate industry has been a huge attack on the scientific method. It has been an attack on my science and history and things fortunately are changing. I finish with one last point. You've got your Climate Change Act. We've just had a carbon tax in Australia. Nineteen bills went through Parliament. And our carbon tax is to lower the emissions of carbon dioxide from our employment-generating industries in Australia. And it's wonderful. We've led the world in suicide, And our carbon tax is to knock down our emissions by 5%. Now, you can do the sums. And the sums are very simple. The IPCC says that 3% of annual emissions are from humans. Why is it that that 3% drive climate change is beyond me and not the other 97%? But that's another matter. Australia puts out 1.5% of the world's CO2 emissions. You can do the calculations, and by Australia knocking back their emissions by 5%, we will, by the year 2050, have lowered global temperatures by 0.00007 degrees Celsius. So I do hope you enjoy our sacrifice in giving you a warmer climate here in England. Thank
4: you.
0: This is the voice of geologist Professor Ian Plymer recorded at the UK government public meeting in 2014. Interesting, he mentions the next pandemic surely this makes so much more sense and the more i research this vein of common sense the more information becomes available documented by very credible and reliable scientific sources despite being obscured by behind the veil of the minority censorship you don't need to believe me why not try a little research yourself you should always make your own research with a view to find your own eureka moments However, if you're feeling too lazy, or perhaps you prefer to continue watching the mainstream catastrophic climate crisis, blah, 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 alternatively, you could watch one of many excellent documentaries which are widely available on independent and even some mainstream media channels, such as The Great Global Warming Swindle, Debunking Climate Change Hysteria. The link may be found in my section that accompanies the show on the other side of the news website. As we are limited in time with this episode, and to cut to the chase, our planet is well and more than capable of balancing itself. During our spiral journey through the universe, as a member of the spiral solar system and our perception of time, we are simply experiencing a variety of cosmic influences that repeat in great cycles that on occasion can occur at the same time, resulting in noticeable climate warming and cooling. Some cycles are severe, cause extreme changes, such as ice ages or heat waves, and other cycles, such as the present one, we are currently living through during a period of low solar activity, otherwise known as a grand solar minimum, cause less severe, but still noticeable changes. Bottom line, CO2 is plant food, plants create oxygen. The largest emitter by far of this relatively tiny part of the Earth's atmosphere is the ocean. The sun's ever-changing magnetic field shields our planet from cosmic particles' rays. When we have less magnetic shielding, more particles penetrate our atmosphere, resulting in more cloud formation. The density and frequency of these clouds affects temperature in many, many ways. Some scientists such as Piers Morgan, choose to forecast weather in relation to sunspot activity, with surprisingly accurate and reliable results. Our atmosphere is made up of 78% nitrogen. Interesting. Most people would probably jump for oxygen. Oxygen is only 21%. Argon is 0.93%. And here comes the big one, carbon dioxide. 0.04%. And there are various trace elements uh, of neon, helium, methane, krypton, hydrogen, as well as water vapor. Humanity's contribution to the CO2 emission represents a small fragment of this already small 0.04% of the planet's atmosphere. So, is anyone else smelling the coffee yet? I very much look forward to discussing this key point regarding this essential waking process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com. There you will see details for the show, quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references, and selective research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them, And even download your own copies sooner than later as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week we have been inundated by a torrent of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news to discuss, validate and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself as the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show and in order to make the best use of our available airtime I believe we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Anessa. Have you ladies offset your carbon footprint yet this week?
2: <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. This is Kintia. And uh, oh, my goodness, the stories that are woven around us. I And, you know, it's very much hanging on the educational system. So I'm going to sidestep here just a little bit. Because as a parent, of course, I have grown children, but still as a parent, I am so concerned about what our youth is being taught, as you heard in Timothy's opening, where he talked about the miseducation of our youth in terms of geology and climate change. And I'm also surveying the landscape here of our culture and this critical race theory that is being taught. Oh, it's really interesting to observe how, how much uh, they are trying to, and when I say they, I mean the global elite, those who are trying to divide us, are trying to create a, uh, a perception of our culture as being very racist. And I don't disagree that at one time it was very racist. But when you look at the overarching um, timeline of how things are evolving, it's uh, it's not the same anymore. And yet they persist in trying to divide us: divide, conquer, divide, conquer. The one thing that really highlighted this was we recently had this gubernatorial race in Virginia. Surprisingly, Glenn Yunkin, who is a Republican, and has been uh, supposedly is a racist, he was actually voted in, and the Hispanics voted him in by a 9.9 margin. So, you know, that was kind of strange because this had always been going the other direction. And his lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears, who used to be in the military... Uh, is beautiful black woman. She uh, gave a speech at the election when she won. And I, Keith, would you please play that for me? There
7: are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen.
3: <laughs> they would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am, living proof.
2: And right she is. She's a beautiful black woman, and here she is, living proof that our country is acknowledging the contributions of our Black population and actually celebrating it in many ways. So that was one thing I just really wanted to bring forward. We need to stand together, 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 (laughs) rather than dividing ourselves in these little camps. And this is the attempt that the cabal is making, and this is the attempt that those who are waking up are paying attention to to unify ourselves in healthy policies for living and healthy thinking and embracing each other for we are all humans and we are all extensions of this living earth. And with that, I'm going to bring on Annetta because I know she is ready to go with something really juicy. Annetta?
7: Thank you. Well, I'm going to continue down a little bit of the election pathway here and ask you the question now. Uh, how many times have the experts been, and I'm saying experts, the big air quotes over here, uh, been desperately and woefully wrong about elections in the past and in the recent past? They were wrong about Brexit and they were wrong about the 2016 presidential election, and they were hilariously, historically wrong about the 2020 election. According to a report from the American Association of Public Opinion Research, national polls from the 2020 election were the least accurate in 40 years. And state polls from President, Senate, and governor, gubernatorial races, and my cat is having something to say about this, were the least accurate in 20 years. Tuesday, this last Tuesday, November 2nd, was another election day in the land of the free, and I'm using your quotes on that too, and the experts were once again wrong. Most notably, pollsters and see Virginia race for governor was in a dead heat. The reality was that the conservative candidate easily won by a 6% margin. And that's not taking into account all of the manipulation of the votes, which we we'll may or may not get to here. Um, anyway, in the...
4: I can
0: hear you again. Yes, sorry, we lost you for a few minutes, I think. Please continue.
2: Oh, can you hear me?
8: Yes, now
0: I can hear you.
7: Okay. I don't know what happened there. Okay, so I'm not sure where I cut out, but um, anyway, in New Jersey's gubernatorial race, the experts um, were claiming that there were, the more conservative challenger was so far behind in the polls that he didn't even stand a chance. Um, but both predictions were wildly inaccurate, just like the 2020 uh, race and the uh, scene in Brexit. So I'm not lamenting that these pollsters were wrong. There's an old saying that says predictions are hard, especially about the future. It's human to be wrong, and I've been wrong more times than I can count. The thing is, and the issue is, is that media, the mainstream fake stream media, continues to pretend that these polls are still credible. So during this election season, they've constantly analyzing who's up or down the polls like almost like a play-by-play announcer at a football game, uh, you'd think that no serious reporter would actually put their credibility on the line after all of these many years of terrible predictions. However, they continue to do so. It's shameful. It's intellectually dishonest. and No sensible person could possibly believe these numbers anymore. And In fact, the fact that they still do that they're deliberately putting out information that has a long-term track record of being terribly inaccurate. This is why it is perfectly reasonable to be skeptical of the mainstream media. And you know what? A lot of people are. Uh, CNN, yeah, you constant know, negative news, is down to, they, they didn't even get a show, I think it was two weeks ago now, and it's continuing to drop. Uh, they, they never hit a million viewers on any, any show that they did. That's CNN. So anyway, they prove time and time again they cannot be trusted, you know, to present objective information. So if you're skeptical, you're not the one with the problem. Of course, don't believe everything that they say. They'll call you, if you don't believe, I'm sorry, if you don't believe that everything they say, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist. I like to say I'm a conspiracy analyst. You might want to adopt that phrase. But anyways, this is otherwise known as gaslighting. The term gaslighting came from a 1938 British play called The Gaslight, and it was written by Patrick Hamilton. The plot involves a Victorian-era husband slowly convincing his wife that she's going insane. He plays tricks on her throughout the play, like turning down the gaslights around the house when she notices the dimness and ask why the lights are down, he insists that the lights are still on. Eventually, the woman believes that she's losing her mind, and she's seeing and hearing things that don't exist, even though her husband has been manipulating her the entire time. Today, if you question the official MSNBC narrative or disobey the Twitteradia, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist. They'll call you a white supremacist, just like they did the brand new lieutenant governor of Virginia, which is kind of funny because clearly she doesn't appear to be of that particular race. But anyway, I digress, and let's not look at the facts, right? They call you a danger to national security. Gaslighting has since been classified as a means of psychological manipulation that into, um, into getting someone to doubt their own sanity. And this is classic gaslighting. It's just another lie. You are not the one with the problem. For a lot of people, this uh, victory in Virginia was a harbinger of political change in America, which suggests that the, white, the woke Marxism, sorry, will be thrown out of office soon. Now, I'm happy that you're happy, but I would encourage you to stay rational. Hope and optimism are great. However, too often, hope and optimism cause us to take our eyes off the ball. When we're hopeful and optimistic, we start believing that the risks have abated and the negative trends have gone away. It be an enormous mistake to think this way right now. Better leadership is certainly a benefit, but it cannot stop a tidal wave and certainly it cannot do so overnight. So enjoy the happiness and victory if you're so inclined, but keep your eye on the ball. The national debt is still climbing higher by the day. The central bank is still stoking the flames of inflation and tens of millions of angry woke Marxists still want to reboot the economy to their centrally planned fantasy. It is heresy or the heretical action questioning the polls, inflation, or lethal objections for the planned democide. God forbid you should question the science behind the mask or even suggest that it might only be virtue signaling, anti-science on a, or, um, anti-science, or the problem of science being married to evidence. We forget that it is married to evidence, or at least true sciences, not Dr. Froshe science. Heresy is an opinion that's profoundly at odds with what is generally accepted or the consensus or what is promoted. And tonight, we will be broaching one of the biggest hoaxes and one of the most heretical topics to bring up. That is climate change, the climate change industry. You are instantly labeled anti-science if you even question or, God forbid, suggest that its roots are very, very deep in political soil. But tonight, I hope that we can maybe open your eyes to see the connections between all these things. And bring up some facts and not just the propaganda, but actual facts that are based in science, that are based in geology, that are based in archaeology and history. Once again, I will say science is married to evidence and there's no way around this. So as we look at this topic, remember things like observation, measurement, experimentation. Science has no room for politics. However, this particular issue of science has been made highly political. So tonight, that's what we intend to to bring to the topic, the forum here, and we will be doing so. But I think right now we need to take a break and we will return right after the break. This is our 78th show. It's cop-out
8: 72 vaccines, your children will get, um, as of right now, before they're 18, and that number is doubling very quickly in the near future. And, guys, the thing that bothered me so much is I had no idea back then in 98 that there were a lot of people talking about vaccines. But what I know now and what I learned in 2010, and your listeners have to understand this, in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And let me say that again. Um, 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This should be very eye-opening to anybody out there because what they're telling you that now is if you vaccinate your children, you have to deal with the consequences because they've just told you that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And most of that now, in 2018, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Daniel Victory put in the Health and Freedom of Information Act to have the safety studies released, okay? If your listeners don't know this, in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed the Vaccine Injury Act, which said the vaccine companies are exempt of any and all liability. But Reagan said, look, if we're going to give them blanket liability, we've got to at least make them do safety studies every other year not every year but every other year so they sued to have those safety studies released and we've always heard that vaccines are safe and effective safe and effective safe and effective but when they got the report back it was a hundred percent empty not one single safety study has been done on any of the vaccines since 1986. and this should be very 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 disturbing to all you guys That's what began to wake me up as far as vaccines were my children back in 98, when the medical doctors couldn't give me the safety studies. Guys, this is Christopher Key, never forget it. It's Christ Ofer, Christ is in me, he's in my name. Never forget my last name, it's Key, K-E-Y. God's given us the keys to unlock the doors that Satan never wanted unlocked and we do it for our children I so enjoyed the show tonight the other side of the news is beyond fabulous
2: Welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight, we're having a roundtable with Timothy Saunders, Aneta Driscoll, and myself, Kinzia. And the show is called Cop Out 26. And I'd like to bring Timothy back on.
0: Well, thank you. I thought maybe you'd <laughs> had enough of me. That's slightly <laughs> no long, Longer than normal. Uh, no. Opening.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I, this is a really unusual topic, and I think we need to go deep. So have at it.
0: Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, you know, I, I did a fair amount of dot joining there, or dot connecting, I should say, in the opening. Uh, we have just seen this, you know, huge distraction over there in Glasgow with all sorts of people. There are something around 6,000 people flew into Glasgow uh, all using oil-based fuels. And uh, I don't know how many people arrived in electric vehicles or electric hovercrafts or whatever they think they're going to use to sort of uh, avoid the carbon footprint. What what do you actually think about that? I mean, isn't that the personification of hypocrisy for a start? when everybody else has been working with Zoom for the last two years during this pandemic.
2: oh, For sure, and it also shows how little regard they have for our opinion. They could care less if we notice. They, we're inconsequential.
0: Well, we are inconsequential. <laughs> oh, so they think, yeah, that's what they believe. Yeah. But on the other hand, apparently we're the ones that have to pick up the, the bill, because isn't this all about you know, the, the new carbon tax uh offsetting our carbon footprint by by paying somebody i don't know who it is but money so that we can relieve our guilt about something we're not actually really harming i mean that that's the way i look at it i mean let me just put something on the record is i totally agree it's a good idea to plant more trees i totally agree it's a good idea to clean up the oceans i totally agree it's good to you know, enjoy organic food and so on and so on. I totally agree. It's good to, you know, stop pollution, to refine and purify our planet. That's all obviously a good idea. It's a no-brainer. But I do not agree that this insignificant amount of carbon dioxide, which we're supposed to be uh, emitting through, you know, the, uh, the bowels of our humanity, is ruining the planet because it just isn't. It, it's so insignificant up the huge amounts of natural carbon dioxide around in this planet that it, it's, it's, it's gotta be a manipulation of the people to to pay a new taxation. That's what I think it is.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a moneymaker, but it's also a control mechanism. I mean, if you for example, if you're using the social credit system, which is clearly the vaccine passport, this is, this is all woven together. For those that survive, then we get these, you know, what they would like is these passports. It's, and they, they track absolutely everything, which actually we now know uh, with what's in the vaccines, they literally are tracking. And and I, and I use that term very liberally. It's, they're not actually vaccines. But I think anyone who's listened to this show knows that. But Okay. So the lethal injections, the jabberdoo, whatever you want to call it. But they they actually are using this as a means of tracking right down to whether you can drive, whether you get the credits to be able to drive. So it's a way of controlling and manipulating the slave system even further and making a lot of money on it. Because this, this money, if you look at the way these accords and like the Paris climate change, which everyone had a meltdown when Trump uh, – Backed out of that, which at, at first I did too, because I didn't know any better. I really didn't. But what I now realize is it was all about taxation, et cetera, et cetera, or something that actually completely is in the face of science is absolutely wrong. And then we all get to pay the price and lose our freedom for it. And the reality is is that the scientific evidence does not back any of this up. In fact, I can, you know, go into detail about this including the numbers uh, about what's going on here and it it doesn't make any sense at all except if you're except if you're Klaus Schwab or someone who wants us to all own nothing and be happy Uh, I don't think any of us would be very happy with this so I think that's where this is all going
0: the the, the other point as well is that uh, there are many points but another point Annette is the this this whole um, charade is also preventing uh, developing countries from developing, because they're told not to extract the uh, oil out of the, the ground, not to extract the coal, not to extract, you know, whatever it is, that whatever fuels, fossil fuels, out of the ground, and not to, um, you know, build so many oil-driven cars but to go straight to electric or, or whatever you know, advice they're given, but they're actually sort of being manipulated. So, so developing countries are left in a position where they own nothing and they're also not happy because they've never had the things they see the rest of the world having.
4: Well,
7: yeah, this is absolutely true, especially in Africa, and you have to look at the motivation behind it.
3: Um,
7: you know, one of the things is, is Africa is extraordinarily wealthy in all kinds of natural resources. Their mineral deposits including coal and oil, all of it. And so if you're going to uh, be someone who is, is benefiting from this, if you're in the cabal, you do not want the, the mere peasants to have any kind of power or any, any kind of freedoms because you want, you want to be able to use them. So they're by, by limiting their ability to develop and do this, this idea of a carbon footprint, which is absurd, absolutely absurd, uh, then they can keep them in that position. They can keep them in abject poverty and, in fact, life-threatening poverty. Um, when they cook, they're cooking in a place, uh, they're cooking inside these huts, and they get all kinds of issues with children. Uh, many of them die of respiratory uh, disease, and the same thing with the women. And uh, they spend their whole days just trying to get enough fuel, and not to mention the uh, carbon footprint from that, uh, just to, to cook and eat them. And yet, that's okay, uh, but it's not okay to use these other cleaner energy forms so that, that don't cause respiratory failure. So uh, you can clearly see what's going on there if you use any kind of, of uh, discernment whatsoever.
0: One of the other points which came up in the week through our research was um, from the Australian, it's slightly comic, but... You know, quite quite
4: true.
0: <laughs> quite true. Uh, podcast called the Australian Government Ad, uh, where they're pointing out all the shit fuckery, which uh, all the various nations, but mostly Australia, are up to at the moment. It's quite a satisfying phrase, by the way. I've used it a few times this week already. Uh, but the one of the the, the reasons that they're, they're they're stating in in this podcast is that the reason why people are signing up to this agenda with a target at 2050, which let's face it is around, you know, quite a few years off yet, is because if they do not need to reduce certain levels or emissions or temperature, uh, so many degrees by a certain time, then they can actually go out there and open up new coal mines and go out there and open up new power stations and, and set up new nuclear power stations between 2022 and 2050 and reap the rewards in the meantime. And quite remarkably, in Australia, in one month, they just opened up or gave permission to open up three new coal mines, which is pretty interesting. And I think, if if I'm correct in remembering, they are also in the process of opening up something in the region of 43 power stations, Across Australia, which apparently is even more than China are planning at the moment. And China, considering they didn't even show up to COP26, have far less regard about air quality than I think the Australians do.
4: Um, That's true.
7: That's true. And, you know, I mean, I I love numbers. So if you took the current carbon dioxide, and, and I do want to get into this idea of carbon dioxide, what it actually is, we can get there. But.
4: If you took the
7: current levels and you you doubled them, uh, it would the effect right now currently with the sun situation as we have it, blah blah blah, it would raise the temperature of the Earth 0.2 degrees Celsius. Now, that's by doubling it. The problem we have here is that we the humans are responsible for about three percent, but at least the other 97 percent naturally occurring. Uh, From different things. And so if you look at the percentile, I love numbers. So if you look at the percentile of the carbon dioxide on the planet, it is, as Timothy mentioned earlier, it's 0.04% of the uh, overall atmosphere. And you look at 3%, that's 0.0012%. So it's 0.0012%. That's even less than your chances of dying of COVID. And which we know is virtually nothing, if, especially if you have any treatment. But, you know, let, you know when we look at this and, and you start to like, put this in perspective, not to mention that it appears that temperature drives carbon dioxide, not the other way around. If we look at the historical data that we have, and it seems to follow the temperature trends, which move up and down based on the sun not anything else in the sunspot activity. And it follows it by a 800 years, 800 years behind. Why? Because the ocean is what mitigates the temperature. I grew up, um, I originally am from Massachusetts and I, I live in California now, both places right on the ocean. And I can tell you that it, it totally uh, controls the temperature because as a scuba diver, I know that the heat transference between water, and the human body is 24 to one as compared to air. So if you're in a environment that's 80 degrees with air temperature, you're not gonna feel cold. But if you are diving in water that's 80 degrees, you're gonna get colder, your core temperature is gonna drop from your normal body temperature, 98.6, a lot faster, in fact, 24 times faster. So if you think about this, this is how water holds all this heat. And that's why it takes 800 years or it actually to show up, which seems amazing, but that is statistically in data what we've got looking, what we're looking at. So just just to throw us a little bit of science there.
0: Well, thanks for that. One of the other points that really came out was to David Attenborough. I mean, I've grew up with him, you know, on, on as a TV presenter showing amazing things in natural environments and, and we've all I'm sure seen at some point in our life some of his you know long series um, I have to say generally speaking I, I did hold him in high regard but for him to get up there on stage and come out with this utter rubbish uh, I'm sorry but he, he's just being used he, he's the new Greta um, I, I think that's so sad that a lot of people are going to be programmed to believe every word he says just because of who he is and what he's done.
2: Well, so you know,
0: voice. Sorry,
2: he said the trusted voice.
0: Well, yes. I mean, you know, wouldn't you, if you, if you were going to market a campaign, which is not based on science, wouldn't you, you want to take icons out of, uh, the industry to, to present them to people so that they will not be awake, awakened while you're telling them the latest level of bullshit.
7: Mm-hmm. You know, and this is across the board, too, because I just had a discussion with a friend yesterday. Bill Nye is the science guy. I don't know. He's, he's in the States. I'm not sure if how far his reach is, but he's a science. Bill Nye is a science guy. is a guy who talks about science and talks about it in terms that kids can understand. And he, they have turned him into a mouthpiece for the lethal injections, and again, it's another case of people trust this person, and then they they use them. And I get, you know, I mean, the guy has to be bought and sold. He he has to know if he has any. Just uh, just like a, an Attenborough, he 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 has to know that this is not true. He's a science person, but they still are willing to be bought and sold. So. You know, go back to keeping your eye on the ball and paying attention. And, and you know, one of the things that I think, you know, with to, to the point that Cynthia brought up about education, we've had the education system educate critical thinking right out of everybody. Uh, it, 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 critical thinking really comes down to questioning, and you know, admitting that uh, heresy of questioning.
2: <laughs> I also um, like to mention that, like with children because critical thinking isn't developed it really is such an emotional charge i can see how greta was used easily i can you can hear how emotionally charged she is and but she wasn't given all the facts she was given you know the propaganda and you know timothy when you play that first ad in your opening for kids i just wanted to vomit <laughs> Sorry, I just like. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? Yeah, there were a couple clips like that that
7: they were really hard to listen to. I have to. Yeah,
2: I saw a cartoon that just ripped my heart out. You know, they're making it like, oh, this is such a wonderful thing, and I'm thinking, oh, you're just leading the babes to slaughter. Really saddens me.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this news of just to jump sideways slightly, this news. Coming out with Biden, I, I, think I, I think I did see the, pod, the, the podcast of the press conference when he announced uh, you know, jabs were going to happen now to five years plus. Um, what has been the reaction locally? I mean, if you, have you spoken to people about this? Have you talked to people in your area, your family? What do they think
8: about this?
7: I personally haven't, but what I find very interesting, and we've talked about this, on the show, I think um, the last time we had Carrie my day on, we talked about this, which was a while ago. And I know that I've mentioned it that they have put out a notice to pediatricians uh, to be on alert. And I can't remember the name. They've renamed it, but it's basically it's polio and they're expecting it to be in five year olds. Now, they had to know that they were going to have this thing ran through for approval and they have loaded this lethal injection with um, whatever's causing the polio, uh, you know, just like they've got it loaded with, with many other things. Um,
2: Well, remember India, (laughs) you know, the Indian government suing Gates for the 470,000 children that were inflicted with uh, paralysis
7: from polio. And it's the same thing. They're going to pull it, they're going to pull it on, on the uh, children here. And and they they said specifically they were looking at five-year-olds. So clearly they have an agenda, they have a plan. It's well- well thought out and in advance and and to the point that even people like like us know about it months in advance and then they go oh wow we just got the approval like that was a surprise no it's not you know
0: well well i heard this week that in the i don't i cannot remember which one it's been a very busy week really but one of the vaccinations which is being set up for for children young children Is actually going to include a an additive which will hopefully prevent heart inflammation so Mm -hmm. isn't that like totally admitting that the myocarditis is is a real thing and they're going to try Mm -hmm. and even it out by uh, putting something else in as well I mean as as Richard Hoagland would say this sounds like this this vaccination is loaded for bear it's Mm. uh, it, it's absolutely disgusting, and why on earth it's even being given to children in the first place, and why even it's given to you know, any any human in the first place is it, absolutely beyond me still, but here we are
7: well trump here. Trump came out today actually, I think it was today or yesterday i'm not sure uh saying that people should not give five year olds or young children any of these things because they absolutely don't need it, they have natural immunity, and even if they don't they if they give something they immune systems are strong enough they pop right back and they don't have any issues Uh, we know all the way through the pandemic and now it's the pandemic side uh, what's going on with children they don't need this and so um, the parents are being willfully ignorant if they're giving their children at this point there's so much information out there uh, but uh, they still seem to think you know that there's this but it's OK. I, you know, the, the level of brainwashing is just incomprehensible uh, to me. Uh, but luckily, I I'm not falling into that camp. But um, I wonder I, what it's like to be in that kind of mindset. I really do. I,
2: I'd like to step in because we have a huge immigrant population, and I wouldn't say that they're aware of that. They're like, follow the orders or you might get deported. Well, they're that, not. Would, they're not really following any of the media we're following. No, well, I, would,
7: I would say that I would argue, Cynthia, that they actually the what we have going on with immigration, they are one of the accepted groups that does not that is not quote mandated to have the vaccine. So what's going on there?
2: Well. Maybe those groups, but let's face it: we have children of immigrants here that are in those groups that are going to be quote vaccinated, jabbed. And we have a huge population that but, they're that they may even be born here, but their parents are don't even speak the language. I know a lot. I know several myself.
7: But the the the, the data would contradict that, which would say that actually. The, uh, the, so the groups that are not complying are the people that are not trusting. So actually the Hispanic population and the black population are quite non-compliant. The ones that are most compliant are, are white people, frankly.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, and uh, the most compliant are the Asians. Okay? So, and then, and then you know, if you look at the data, that's, that's where we're sitting with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is a level of lack of trust there. Um, and I don't know why some people are drinking Kool-Aid freely or not, but I'm uh, <laughs> not sure what that's, I mean, I do believe it's total, it's total, um, uh, brainwashing. It's, it's MK ultra, whatever you want to call it. The propaganda has been, it's relentless. You have to be very, you have to really have your own mind and be asking a lot of questions or you, otherwise you would get sucked into that. And I'm not I'm, I'm. not attacking those people. I'm just saying at this point, with it, all of the people falling ill all over the place. I know so many myself, and I can't be the exception on this, you know, at this point. So, but, you know, people are falling victim to it. As we know, we had a good, Sadie and I had a good friend this week. We found out last night. And I hadn't got the jab. After she knew all of this this whole time, she's been around Kinthea and myself and heard everything, and she still went out and got it this past week. So, yeah.
2: Very sad. Well, and I well, have it, to... it... Go ahead. Go ahead, Timothy.
0: I was just going to say, it is 24-7. So, I mean, for example, people who are isolated, and we shouldn't forget that, that a lot of people do still feel isolated, even though the lockdown is not necessarily as severe as it, as it has been in previous months or years. There we are, I'm saying years. Uh, people who, who have had to adapt and change their life. And, and if they're watching media, you know, perhaps even by accident, it's an old habit to get into. Then once again, if, if, you, if you watch you know, the, the idiot box, then what do you expect to learn out of it? Out of it, you're just gonna find the usual propaganda.
5: um,
0: It looks like we're we're coming up on a break. I don't know if I'm a little early, but um, this evening we're listening to uh, various clips and having a little bit of a round table talking about COVID and uh, COP26. This show is entitled COP26. You're listening to Timothy Saunders, that's myself, Kim Tia, and Anessa Driscoll. And we'll be back after the break.
1: One of the ways that this organized crime system has been able to monopolize the media and has been able to uh, control the government and control perception on a wide scale is because it's the banks at the core and they've been given the privilege of creating money out of thin air using a technique called fractional reserve banking. Where the central banks backstop the money center banks to create money out of thin air. So when you go to get a loan, whether it's a mortgage or a car loan, that's not deposit money, they're loaning you. Uh, They just credit your account with some dollar credits and you're off to the races. And then you spend the rest of your life paying interest on a mortgage that somebody created out of thin air And that's the reason why the bank is the largest building in every city on the planet, because they're making outrageous profits by getting to loan money at interest that they created out of thin air. This is Etienne de la Boussy, Squared, the author of Government's Biggest Scam in History, Exposed. And some of my favorite conversations are the ones that I have on the other side of the news. With Timothy, Netta, and Kintia. Thank you for doing what you do and providing the service that you provide.
7: Good evening, and welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight's our 78th show, and the title is Cop Out 26. And as we know, we had the supposed climate uh, conference. They had all of them show up in Glasgow with their 400 private jets that were so environmentally friendly, and the 6,000 people, and all of the equipment that comes along with that. So they may or may not realize that, for example, the motorcades, things like that are actually flown in and used and then flown back out. Can you imagine the amount of uh, fossil fuels, et cetera, that are used for that? Hmm. Think about that. Actually, they, for this one conference, they said that they have exceeded the amount of energy that Glasgow uses in a whole year for the city of Glasgow, Scotland. So clearly they know something that we don't or they don't give an F, a flying one, if, uh, you know, they do this. I personally think um, that we we shouldn't be, you know, just using stuff without thought, but uh, certainly it isn't what we're being told. And certainly, if we look at the, the evidence and data on the climate, uh, quote, climate change, it is not what they're telling us. So... One of the things that happened is all these quote leaders, and I'm using very big air quotes over here because they aren't my leader, but people consider them to be leaders. And one of them is the uh, British Royals. And uh, we have our, we have our resident Brit on here. So I'm going to bring Timothy back in to have him talk about what's going on with that right now.
0: Well, I'm not a great Royal uh, fan, however, um, they are figureheads of the country, uh, of, of to many countries actually, in the Commonwealth or ex-Commonwealth countries. And Queen Elizabeth's face still appears on, on many, uh, many, many money notes around the world and coins. And you know, a lot of people say, oh, she's just there for tourists, just there for the image, just to sort of keep the tradition going. But I, I think that she has an awful lot more power than most people would, uh, would, would think. And it, it does really bring the big question of, well, she's 95 now and she's well exceeded the longest reign of any, any previous king or queen in the UK. Uh, Victoria was 63 years, I believe, yeah, on the throne. Um, that must have been a bad curry. Uh, but the, she's coming up to, I think, 79 years at the moment. I need to check. In 1952, she was... Um, She she took took her position on the throne. So she's been reported to be unwell. She's gone for medical checkups in recent weeks. Um, And I think that she was told to rest. I don't know if that's in or out of hospital. Um, As I said, I don't follow avidly, but this is just something coming to mind. Is if you extrapolate this data a little bit further forward, um, you know, unless she is going to live forever, uh, then Charles is the next in line. And Charles is a great fan of the World Economic Forum and a great buddy, it seems, of Klaus Schwab. So that could be as severe a change in the, uh, the direction of the UK as an ice age would bring to the climate. Um, I think that would be a massive nail in the coffin if Charles suddenly sits on the throne because if indeed he does have more power than people may understand, and if he does have more influence than people may understand, um, then suddenly he will be um, a huge ally with the World Economic Forum. So I think just thinking ahead, we're, we're dazzled by the COP26, we're dazzled by uh, whatever was going on in the Vatican recently, we're dazzled by you know elections and, and the whole COVID thing. Uh, I think just to think a little bit ahead, uh, it, it, it makes it makes for sort of some some weird speculation. Uh, what would come to your mind along those lines, Annette? Quintia? Well, the first thing that
7: comes to my mind is that there's more to this than he's just the world economic form. I think that uh, we really need to, to, to see him for what it is. Uh, there is an extraordinary uh, amount of connections uh, to him. with, uh, And although this is a very unpopular topic to bring up for most people, uncomfortable, um, it is something that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be needing to face head on with many, many people. Uh, about this. And we are starting to see many of the things come forward that and we talked about on this show, uh, even if it's just in passing, but I have mentioned the Durham report over and over again. And as we see these things revealed, they will have all the connections with Epstein and Prince Charles and Jimmy Seville and all the connections to the royal families and all their nefarious deeds. I think at the same time, you know, that that this changeover my guess is i'm hoping i'm praying that we start seeing a revelation of what is really going on here uh not just what they want us to see not just the propaganda so that's that's what i'm hoping for i don't know uh Cynthia, what's your your view on this
2: um you know i'm more of an intuitive feeling like i don't think that the monarchy is going to go on i think we're on the precipice of a huge change i just can't see it continuing because as things are exposed, I, I can't get out of my mind the film I saw that was taken by, I think it was a Swedish tourist or something, oh, yeah. that showed this young boy who was naked, who was trying to escape from Buckingham Palace, and he was clinging to bedsheets he had tied together. And the tourists are all out there videoing him climbing down these bedsheets. And, and he lost his balance and fell. And I never could find the report. Well, what happened after he fell? And I, I just, I just don't think the monarchy is going to last. I think we're, we're on the edge of a big change.
4: I
7: I totally agree with that. I think that this exposure will be the end of them. And of course we never are going to find out about that poor boy. He, he appeared to be about 14 or so. And, Mm. uh, we're not going to hear about that because they have their own uh, palace guards, etc. It's all internal. So.
0: You you mentioned Jimmy Savile, this guy, which is uh, he was very strange indeed. I mean, he was all over the the children's television shows. He also had his own show, uh, Top of the Pops, which he was a presenter, like you know, presenting all the latest, latest and greatest music and so on. So he was absolutely an icon that I used to. I think was a you know somebody very interesting, some a great guy who was a cool guy, you know, like when I was growing up. But of course, he was absolutely pimping uh, children into all sorts of um, paedophile circuits. Also, very close friends with the royals, as you say. And this is not here, hearsay. This is not gossip. This is absolutely documented. And uh, somehow, the royals have managed to uh, avoid confrontation um, I say confrontation that's not really true I mean they've they've had a lot of close hits in recent years um, but somehow they they, they continue and uh, in earnest and and you know, just covered with file I guess you know that the things just do not stick to them but more and more is is accumulating and also there's another trend which is quite interesting I think that if you if you look into Diana, the, I think there's a Broadway show, there's a, a new film, there's a TV series, all sorts of things happening at the moment, which I'm not quite really sure how that comes out, because I didn't, I didn't have the idea that Diana and the Queen uh, saw eye to eye. But uh, there we are. Suddenly, there's you know, two or three, a collection, two or three dots which are connecting, and it's happening at the same time. So that must mean something, I think. I don't think it's random.
7: No, I don't think any of this is random. I, I you know, we we have been talking about it, all these various pieces and parts, and I think what we're starting to see now is how all of this is going to be together. And I do believe, and I hope and pray that this is also true, that we will see this uh, coalescing of all these what seems uh, disparate pieces come together, and this story will make sense, and it will be. I'm hoping, an unavoidable truth. In other words, you know, it, it's a horrible truth, but it needs, to be, it needs to be examined. It needs to be dealt with. And the public needs to understand that these things have been all going on right under our noses and literally under our feet. Um, last night we had an interesting uh, – I was over at Canthias, and uh, we had a very interesting um, little phenomenon so we have been hearing these booms that sound like fireworks. We, this has been going on for months. It's it's random. It's not all the time. It's but we've heard this for a long time. Uh, and these are fireworks that have no display. In other words, we're just hearing the boom part and nothing else. And we've gone out many times uh, to check this out. And uh, I hear it up at where where I work. And you know it, it's it's. It's coming from this particular direction. Anyway, uh, it is. Ha- it has been said that we have many uh, tunnels, many, many tunnels and, and dumps, deep underground military bases. That's what DUM stands for, it, especially in the Bay Area. I mean, they're all over the place. The entire Presidio in San Francisco is said to be a gigantic DUM under there, for example. So we have all this stuff going on. And last night, uh, I was over at the house where are lives, and the whole house, there's this huge rumble that moves through the house, and it shook the house slightly. But believe me, I've lived in California long enough to experience many earthquakes. This was not an earthquake or not a conventional earthquake. And these are happening all over. And it is, you know, if you listen to some people like Gene DeCode, that will tell you that clearing out of these spaces, Do we have evidence that we can point to? No, we only have people that seem to understand and know a lot about what's going on. But I do believe that all of this will connect this whole thing with the pedophilia and the child trafficking. And look what's going on. You know, the 45,000 children are coming across the border and disappearing, just going missing every month. Isn't 45, this alarming? I mean, 45,000 one, yes, and one one child goes missing, and they go they go nuts. But forty five thousand come over on purpose because they're trapped over here, and no one's saying anything. Isn't someone's alarm bells going off here? You know.
0: And then An- I I yeah. really don't wish to contradict you because I just don't know. But I am very curious to know. I keep hearing some people talk about these dumbs and apparently they exist. But what is the evidence based on? Where does this come from? Where are they? Are there maps? Are there photographs? Are there seismic readings? Or how do we know they even exist, and if they
7: exist? Well, actually, all of the above. Um, so there are dumb maps, and but that doesn't mean that they're all mapped. Okay, so many of them are. Uh, they exist from all different times. Um, there's ancient tunnels. There's more modern tunnels. There were a lot of tunnels that were in this you're, country you're- dug in the.
0: You're telling me what there is, but I'm asking, how do you know?
7: Well, I'm I'm getting to that. So in the Civil War and then World War II, many more. And then recently they have these new boring machines, which you can look up and and see. Like, for example, that's how they did CERN and many other places underground. Uh, So they have these machines now that can do, I think it's about eight miles a day. It's, It's a phenomenal amount. Uh, that they can they can bore underground so uh do we know where all of them are Mm, no but there there is uh there are are people that have been in um, secret projects etc and that have have been whistleblowers that have come forward there are people that have come forward with evidence and then there's the seismic evidence so if you look on the uh, geological maps around the world and you look at earthquakes and you'll find that there are certain ones and they're in clusters and they're, at t- they're generally at 10 kilometers. There's some exceptions to that, but generally they're at 10 kilometers exactly uh, below surface. And these are where the dumps are. That's uh, 3,300, 3,300, 3, don't remember uh, feet. Interesting number um, below ground. And that's where they, they generally are. And they are, uh, supposedly blowing that up. I have heard this also from someone who's in special operations and I, I cannot say where I got that information from, but I will tell you that I have every bit of confidence that this person is involved in telling the truth about this and what they're finding below.
0: So you're saying that um, not only are there lots of dumps, but they're also as far below the ground as aircraft fly in uh, 10,000 yeah. meters. That's an yes. awful lot of soil. Where does the soil go on this display? I
7: don't... I, you know, what I've understood... I don't know. You know, they have a... Um, I haven't really researched that, but there is a thing called Alice. It's a boring system. It's called Alice. Mm-hmm. And you can look it up, and you can actually see videos. You can see them uh, coming through boreholes. I've also... Um, looked into videos of, there's many videos that you can look on even on YouTube where you'll see uh, trucks and everything else driving in these huge underground cities and caverns and roadways. And uh, there are videos also of uh, truckers driving underground cross country and they're connected through, believe it or not, Walmart. So this stuff is really right in our faces and yet we're not seeing it. So, Um, I do believe that this is the kind of thing that just like it's connected to the pedophilia. It's connected. Everything's connected. Um, I do believe that we're going to start seeing more and more of this revealed publicly. It's
2: It's It's, It's interesting that you brought up Walmart because just an hour away there in San Jose, there was some video of a Walmart that's been walled off or, you know, enclosed with a fence. And, They go down and you can see the trucks underneath the Walmart in these huge tunnels driving around. Pretty, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, what are they setting this up for? This is functioning now as a Walmart. It looks like it's going to be some kind of concentration camp the way it's set up.
7: Yeah, well, I've I've also uh, heard from someone who's one person removed from me that got called in. And they were doing the retrofitting of these walmarts they're also connected with um, home depot as part of this network too walmart is particularly involved and they were refashioning these basically as concentration camps and it's interesting if you look at the architecture of a lot of these walmarts they will have those um corner uh, structures and people say oh that's for architectural interest well that may be so, but if you look at the satellite views of them, they're actually fully built out, like guard towers. If it was just a facade, they could just put the corners on them and it would be a facade. But these are not facades; they are actually built out and if you look at the um, if you do look at satellite pictures of these buildings, you'll see this very clearly. so one has to ask why would they do that? that's a lot more expensive to do it that way. in, so you're
0: saying mind, in, in a similar way that some cruise ships were and to some extent still are being built as uh, sort of naval support vessels or, or naval transport vessels in, in times of a sea battle, that some of the architecture for supermarkets and DIY stores are being used as uh, architecture to hide entrances to an underground system and perhaps even yeah, underground cities.
7: Right. Well, you have to ask. For example, I don't know what city it was. It might have been Austin. I don't remember right off. But there was a Walmart, uh, and they closed the Walmart, and then they built this huge and very expensive uh, underground transit station connecting to it after the fact, after it was gone, and and they had this uh, you know uh, station there. To connect to something that's no longer there you, you see what i'm saying this is like this isn't logical this doesn't make sense um and there's a lot of that going on if you start looking around you start poking around um like i said if, if you want to research me of it, just start with any of those points um another person who gives a lot of information who's out there you can find on of course not on youtube but you can find it on bit and rumble and uh brighton state and uh, platforms like that, uh, is Gene Decode. Code. Gene to Code, if you're interested in the dumbs information, uh, is a wealth of information around that and talks about it extensively. So I, I do believe, well, along with the royals, back to the royals, uh, that we are about to have all kinds of stuff um, revealed to the public in a way that it won't just be conspiracy analysts that are looking at this. It will be so in your face that I don't think it, it can be avoided. And that's what we need to, we need to deal with this because these children being trafficked and what they're doing to children is just, it's satanic. There's no other word for it. It's just horrible stuff. So.
0: Well, the, the satanic influence certainly seems to be on the rise. Even this cop 26 started, uh, I don't know exactly in how close in relation to Halloween, but uh, I think it either started on Halloween itself or it, was started, it started the very next morning after following. So again, maybe connections, maybe not connections, but let's face it, in the media, in the Super Bowl, in, in you know, pop stars, it, you name it, satanic symbology is, is certainly on the rise big time and uh, almost inseparable now. It's, it's almost the odd one out it is yeah you know, the one that is not showing a symbolic uh sorry a satanic symbol.
7: Absolutely. You know, um and and also another thing that I think we're really seeing revealed is the the separation between the elite and the uh, deplorables, the unwashed minions. You know that all of us out here, right? We're <laughs> we're out here. Um and, uh, you know, if you start to look at the, all the exceptions, for example, the vaccine mandates, okay. That's, that's an interesting thing. Uh, when you start to look at that kind of idea where the politically elite side are not mandated to take it. Now mandate is interesting because it's not a law and they haven't, you know, it hasn't even been written down. I mean, I don't think people realize this this was an act of the press conference. It's never been put into writing. Hmm. So, um. You know, if you start to ask about this, why are, why are thousands of politicians that were secretly given ivermectin or hydrochloroquine prophylactically, you know, why are they getting it and we're not? Or, you know, um, you know, do the big pharma companies aren't requiring their employees to take the jab, blah, 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 on and on it goes. If you start to apply this to everything, question about the children question about the dumps do your research start looking into all these things anything that interests you there's tons to pick from and you know start start noticing
2: so
7: we've, we've been we've been trained to keep our eye off the ball
2: so i'd like to jump in here because there's just a few minutes left on the show and we've been addressing the consciousness of the cabal and the ignorant and those who are waking up and the royals and on and on and i and i don't think that this conversation will be complete without bringing into our awareness that science is beginning to really recognize that the earth itself is a consciousness that it's a holographic totality of energy and physical reality and it's a it's a dynamic part of a large system and we are parts of that and i i don't think that we can just assume that because we're doing this or we're doing that that the earth is doomed the earth the earth is a consciousness and it has means of correcting things now whether we'll last through its correction that's that's another question but i i strongly feel that it's important to remember the connectedness of all parts of the universe, the earth, the humans, the animals, the plants, the stars. It's all connected. It's all connected. And this climate agenda that they have, I don't think it's going to succeed. I know they're moving that direction, but too many people are waking up and I think that why is it that all the ancient cultures talk about Mother Earth and listening to Mother Earth? I think more and more of us are listening to Mother Earth. And that doesn't necessarily mean accepting the propaganda. It's also recognizing the resilience of Mother Earth. I just want to put that thought in there.
0: You know, Wills, that's. I think that the earth is well. We can make it better, for sure. Because we are we're really not looking after it well enough. But the point is it is not we're not facing an imminent disaster, that's for sure. Well, we're really coming up hard on the end of the show. Is there anything you want to add before we close?
7: I I would like to add that I think as much as we're talking about a lot of negative one of disgusting topics that I do firmly and totally believe that on the precipice of the truth coming out and the good uh, that comes from from knowing the truth. Uh, And the more that people are aware of that, the more they can make a positive impact. And I totally think that we're, we're very, we're coming right up on that and we're, we're moving in the right direction. So I
0: I would like to. I would agree. I don't think it's over yet. I don't think uh, we're oh. near the end yet, but we are certainly on the so. of a great, a great renaissance.
2: That's, for sure. yeah. that's mm-hmm. just yeah. around the corner. It's mm-hmm. a chorus here. <laughs> yes.
4: um, and I will
7: say one thing about the climate change in regards to that, that, you know, throughout history, when there is a slightly warmer time, um, we have seen, that's when we see the renaissance, things like that. So, um, these these things that move up and down they're cyclical and we're just we're in a cycle we're in a major we're in something that we haven't experienced before on the planet but uh, you know we we will come out the other side whether we individually do or not that's another story but we'll move to the other side and I do think that we're
4: moving forward.
0: well despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, and to stop acquiescing and stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power. You wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you if you choose to retain or give it away. We've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 78th edition is entitled Cop Out 26 and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annetha, offer special thanks to our listeners. We wish you all a very positive week. and we look forward to reconnecting with you next Friday.